Welcome. You are listening to Central Synagogue's podcast, featuring sermons, lectures, and conversations from Manhattan's historic Central Synagogue. I'm Rabbi Angela Bookdahl. Each week, we invite you to listen to messages of strength and hope given by our clergy on Shabbat or Jewish holidays. You can also listen to audio recordings of other programs and lectures given at Central by subscribing to this podcast on the platform of your choice. If you'd like to watch our live stream services or learn more about our congregation, I invite you to visit us at centralsynagogue.org. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. And raise me up to a world living, oh, safe from the storm, in the shelter of your shalom. There's a movie from the early 2000s called Big Fish. I don't remember all the details of the movie, but there's one scene that stayed with me. In that scene, there's a witch who, if you look into her eye, you will see your own death. Not only when, but the way you will die. Most of the time, she keeps her eye covered with a patch. But if you ask, she will uncover it and you will see your destiny. Moses has looked into the witch's eye and he knows that his time is extremely limited. In fact, because Moses is the scribe of the Torah, the rabbis imagine that he has written down even the story of his own death. Moses goes into these final Torah portions knowing that when he finishes speaking, he will die. Deuteronomy is, in many ways, Moses facing his own mortality. He looks around at his people who have been with him for most of his life, and he tries desperately to prepare them for life without him. Sometimes he's angry, which we can all understand. The people are stiff-necked and difficult, and they get to go into the land while he does not. But mostly, Moses tries, with the time he has left, to convey a vision of the world he hopes the Israelites will create after he is gone. First, he appoints Joshua, a new leader who shares their values and ideals so that the people will have someone to look to. He reminds them to be strong and resolute, to think of the generations to come. He tells them to have faith in God and follow God's commandments, and he reminds them to read the Torah regularly, since everything they need can be found right here in this book. He encourages them to remember their past mistakes and do their best not to repeat them. Moses does not get a choice about looking into the witch's eye, but we do. Would you look? When Rabbi Lorge and I asked our confirmation students this question, the answer was almost universally no. And I think I agree with them, even though I can see how curiosity might get the better of me. Some of us might react like Moses, rush off to get our affairs in order and try to say everything we need to say. But most of us would probably be paralyzed by the knowledge, stuck in a state of scarcity, bemoaning the passage of time. Here's the thing, though. We've all looked into the witch's eye. We may not know exactly how, as Moses did, or when, but we know that our deaths are inevitable. Please, God, may we all live long lives. But for some of us, death will come sooner rather than later. And for almost all of us, it will come sooner than we are ready for. 
And in this season, it can feel closer than ever. Than ever. Yom Kippur is a rehearsal for our deaths. We wear white, the color of a burial shroud. We do not eat or drink or concern ourselves with earthly pleasures and needs. We repent. We account for our souls so that we may stand before God as our best selves, the selves we want to be when the end inevitably comes. Yom Kippur is our chance to look into the witch's eye and ask, what will I do with the time I have left? In the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, which we read in just a few weeks, Abraham stands before God and argues to save the cities if even 10 righteous people can be found. Abraham begins this request by saying, Ani afar ve'efer, I am but dust and ashes. The traditional way to read this phrase is an illustration of Abraham's great humility. He knows he is nothing compared to the greatness of God, but he is hoping that God will listen to him anyway. He knows he is mortal. He knows his impact is limited. But what if we read this story like my teacher, Rabbi Sharon Brous, as Abraham saying, I know I am dust and ashes. I know I'm insignificant in the grand scheme of things, so I might as well stand up to God. I am but dust and ashes, and I may only get this one chance to stand before the Holy One, so I'm not going to squander it. If I'm going to die anyway, it would be better to die fighting for justice. Abraham embraces his mortality rather than runs from it. He uses it as an inspiration to try and avert God's decree. Human rights lawyer Shadi Sadr made the same point in the New York Times about the protests in Iran, speaking about the women who are putting themselves in harm's way to protest the morality police. She said, because they have nothing to lose, they are standing up and saying, enough of this. I am willing to die to have a life worth living. To the hardline religious right in Iran, these women are dust and ashes. They exist only to be controlled. And yet, the brave protesters are turning that idea on its head, fighting mightily against perceived insignificance and unimportance. And they know they may not survive it, just as Moses is certain he will not enter the promised land. And yet they fight to leave the world better than it was before, more just, more reflective of their values. They are certain that the fight will not end with them, but they cannot allow the status quo to continue. And what would you do in the face of such a moment? Well, I'd like to think I'd be in the streets, I'm really not sure. Sometimes I look at the world and think, the problems are so big, and I am so small, so insignificant, dust and ashes. There's no way my tiny contribution can overcome the problems of climate change or gun violence or discrimination or our fragile democracy. But then I remember how hard people are working to keep my voice quiet, to silence the women in the streets of Iran, to suppress the vote, to keep young people, people of color, LGBTQ people, people with disabilities, and many others out of power. We may be dust and ashes, but that is where our power lies. And let us strive to remember that. When we face our own deaths, when we look into the witch's eye, 
we may be overwhelmed by our own insignificance. So let's start small. Not every change has to shake the world. We can start person to person, repairing the rifts of the past year. We can do one small act, like registering to vote, or picking up a piece of trash from the ground, or making a sandwich for the breakfast program. Let us use this season to believe that although our time may be short, it is not yet over. When we stand before God on Yom Kippur, when we confess our sins before our community, when we practice for our own deaths, let us stand with the posture of Abraham and the women of Iran, drawing strength from our own insignificance. If we are but dust and ashes, let us embrace that. And like Moses, use it to do our part to make the world better for us and for the next generation. We can despair how little time we have on this earth, groaning about not having enough, and some of us surely, surely do not. Or we can accept that our time will be over sooner than we would like and use that as motivation. When we stand in the face of death on Yom Kippur, we should not be sad or morose. We should feel the deep joy that comes with knowing we have a chance to do better, to make change, to work for a more just world. When we come out of Yom Kippur, may we say, I am dust and ashes, and I will not waste my chance to change the world. If we understand our mortality only as limiting, then we're too scared to take the leap and make the repairs we need to make, both personally and communally. So let us understand our mortality as expansive. If we are going to die, we better live while we can. We better be the best that we can. We better leave the world in the best possible shape. If we are mortal, then we can live expansively. We can make room for love and justice and relationships and laughter and pain and healing. Our hearts can burst open and we can see a new path before us, guiding us into the new year. Shabbat Shalom. And I'd always praise your name. Thank you for listening to this edition of Central Synagogue's podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you're in the loop on future episodes. And please follow us on social media or watch our live stream at centralsynagogue.org, our Facebook page, or on national cable at the Jewish Broadcasting Service. Thanks again for joining us. Elohim.